Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to break down a fundamental concept that you need to understand if you want to have a thriving uh, multifamily apartment building or really any kind of commercial real estate. It is vacancy. On the surface, vacancy seems very simple. Are people in the building? But there's two aspects of it that we really need to consider. One is physical vacancy. The other is economic vacancy. So Dan, what's the difference? Mm. Um, So most newbies don't even know what the heck economic vacancy is. And I think this catches people off guard because it is really painful. Um, And that is when, so physical vacancy, I I think everybody should be able to infer what that is. That's when you have a unit in your building that is empty. There's nobody in it. There's no lease. It is not generating revenue. Simple. Economic vacancy is when you've got a guy living there, he's on a lease or a gal or several people. You have bodies in the unit is occupied, but they're not actually paying you. Jerks. Oof, that is not good. That is not good. Uh, But those are both forms of vacancy. In both cases, you don't have money coming in from a unit. But in one case, you've got some people in there doing their thing. Yeah, so like if you're looking at buying a building, this can be kind of tricky because you might look at the you know the rent roll, the P&L, and you might think, well, okay, they got bodies in there. But if you're not collecting rent, then it doesn't do you any good if you're 100% physically occupied and you're only collecting 80% of the total rent available in the building. And so this is, gets into the bigger question of like, what's the more important concept here when it comes to running the business? And at the core, like the economic vacancy is what really matters at the end of the day, because that's telling you how much money is is coming in or not coming in. Now, the question I have is like, what is an acceptable vacancy rate? Because that's going to vary depending on the type of project and type of business plan that you're executing. But like, what's our our range of outcomes here? Yeah. So I think uh, to talk about this effectively, we've got to be clear that when we're from in this conversation to answer this question, I'm going to talk about vacancy in the sense that those two things are combined. So what is the combined physical and economic vacancy that's acceptable? I would say in a market that is strong, and by strong I mean that there is good demand and not too much supply, you should be able to be at 5% or under. Um, Now, if you're not in a good market, there's too much supply, it's in the hood or something like that, like a D-class neighborhood, those numbers could be higher. But assuming you've got a good attractive supply demand imbalance where there's more demand than there's supply, you should be able to keep your economic and physical vacancy under 5%. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. 5% for like a well-run asset. When you first acquire the building, you're obviously going to probably go through a period of renovation and repositioning where vacancy is going to creep up a little bit higher, especially if you're getting in there from day one. Um, and sometimes that can be where the opportunity is, right? Like the management of the, the building before you took over, they might have had a lot of occupancy or, or a lot of vacancy because they just kind of sucked at getting bodies in there and getting people to pay. So maybe part of the value add is that you, you're you buying it at that discounted uh, valuation based off of their, their crappy performance. And you're going to go in there and you're going to take this thing from being like 70% vacant to, you know, 95% uh, occupied. Um, 
and that can be a ton of value, but um, it just kind of depends on the business model. One of the big questions you really want to ask yourself when you're underwriting for a building is, okay, what's your break-even occupancy? At what point, like how much could you have an economic vacancy before this thing is in the red? And that's a really good question to ask because, you know, if you have like a 85% break-even point, then that's, that doesn't give you a lot of room, especially as you're kind of going through renovations and, and a reposition phase. But if it's like 60%, that gives you a lot of room. It's, it's hard to imagine a building going to 60% um, or 40% vacant. 60% is going to be tough to achieve. I'm going to say that right now. Usually uh, on our stuff, we do light value add. In that first year is usually where it's tightest. And we're usually low to mid 80s first year. By year two, it's in the 70s. And by year three, it's, it, it gets nice, assuming you don't do a refi and re-lever up again. Um, but you do want to look at that. And that, again, a lot of newbies will get caught off guard. They don't know what that number is. It might be 90% for some newbies mm -hmm. on a deal. And they don't realize how, you know, a couple residents could uh, throw a, real, a, a wrench in their game plan. And this is going to get more extreme. And these numbers we're talking about are, I think, a little bit more applicable to larger properties. If you've got like a quad or a five unit, it's going to be a lot more binary. You're going to go from 100% occupied 75%. to 75% <laughs> like that. So um, we're looking at, you know, larger buildings or over the course of a year, these are averages. Um, so this will vary quite a bit. But, you know, I was actually looking at the underwriting from somebody who's never done a deal before. Um, the other day, they shot out to me to get some feedback on it. And um, the first thing that popped out to me was their vacancy assumptions. Mm -hmm. They put in the textbook 5%, um, or maybe even it was like 5 or 4%, a very, um, a very optimistic uh, assumption for somebody who's never done a deal before and who was planning on self-managing. And I was like, first off, um, you might be able to be 5% uh, physically vacant, but if you're a newbie and you've never leased before, your economic vacancy is going to be through the roof. So we got to, these are rookie numbers. We got to pump these up. We got to see 15% vacancy, 20% vacancy. I have it still pencil. So I think that's the sneaky one that a lot of people don't realize is a thing until their first couple of years in the business. And they realize, wow, I was full and I, no one paid me. <laughs> that stinks. <laughs> Nobody's paying the rent or they're paying it slowly. Happened to me on my first building. I was like, hey, look at this. It's all occupied. Uh, no. So <laughs> not why is my bank account not full they're not, they're not sending me the checks <laughs> another another thing to consider when it comes to the vacancy is around your your debt and the the lender that you're working with they might have different covenants different expectations of how occupied you keep this specifically when it comes to Fannie and Freddie agency debt do you do you know off the top of your head what those vacancy requirements are that they're looking at they're usually looking at like stabilized you have a track record of good economic um or low economic vacancy and people are actually paying on time. I think it's like 85%. That's just a number that's popping into my mind. But uh, That's a good question, actually. So um, uh, agency and regional banks are going to have different covenants and things like that. The big thing with the agency guys like Fannie and Freddie is they're really looking at a point in time at closing, and they want to see, I think it's an average of 95% uh, occupancy for the last 90 days. I think it's like 95 it's like a 99 thing. It's like 95 for 90 days or 94. for it's, it's 90 some percent occupancy for the last 90 days. That's the thing they care about. So you've got to hit that at closing. And then from there on out, they're going to ask you for rent rolls and things like that. But there's not really going to be a, a covenant issue there. Regional banks are going to be looking at this stuff every year. Um, I don't know off the top of my head for the regional banks that we work with where they draw the line and say, hey, this is an issue. For them, they're really looking at DSCR. Mm -hmm. So whatever, uh, whenever you start to violate your DSCR covenant, it's not really going to be tied directly to vacancy, but it's going to be a derivative of that because they're looking at DSCR and saying, okay, when do you fall below that 
number, whatever it is, one, two, one, two, five, whatever your bank is asking mm-hmm. for. So agency, they want that moment in time when you, when you close and then regionals are going to be bugging you every single year for this stuff. Yeah. So you have like your break even occupancy number, but then another way to think about it is like, what's your break DSCR? number that's the one and that matters most like that's yeah that's one you want to keep your eye on because you're going to hit that before you hit your break even occupancy totally <laughs> totally <laughs> so well, hopefully you hit them both simultaneously like it was a bad month but uh that's yeah. vacancy I, I don't know are there other aspects of well, it well i guess which one's better or worse physical or, or economic well i would prefer to have an empty unit with nobody in there and nobody paying rather than having a free you got an extra bathroom right i got an extra bathroom i can yeah. stop it randomly if i got a body in there and they're not paying my concern like people are slow sometimes and that's that's fine not a big deal but hey, if they like paying late fees but that can that can easily snowball that can yeah. that can easily catch them off guard now you have an eviction on your hands and that's going to take a couple months whereas i don't know if i had to choose between not having anybody in the building i would i would just rather have it empty 150 percent it, if you got an empty unit, at least you can lease it and put somebody in there. If you've got an occupied unit with somebody who's not paying, stuck. you can't do that. You're stuck. And it takes a long time to get people out who don't want to leave, and it's quite expensive. So Yeah, and once they fall behind that eight ball, like the incentive for them getting caught up, like the penalty is all the same. You're going to get evicted. That's going to hit your, cre- your credit report, regardless of whether or not you, you know, missed two months rent or you st- stuck it out for four months. Like, I don't know, at a certain point, you're like, whatever. Yeah. So vacancy, keep your eye on it. There's a lot of different aspects of it, but it's a pretty important concept at the end of the day, because to your point with underwriting, the thing that we see a lot is people assuming just because you can get full rent and people are going to pay, like that's never the, that's never the case. Like you're never going to have like that perfect 100% collections rate day one of every month. It's just not going to happen. So plan accordingly. That's going to do it for us. This was Matt's not first producer, but four-ish. He's, he's still new. So if you One thought this episode was particularly good and worthy of an Emmy, uh, please do your part in helping springboard Matt's career as a podcast producer and go, I don't know even who you talk to to nominate for Emmys, but do that for us and for Matt. Yep. All right, so that's going to do it for us. You got your homework. Good luck. Godspeed. We'll see you. Let me see you. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.